When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. Our Friday edition is called The Tailgate, and we are getting set for the first road trip of the season for the Sooners, and the road has been incredibly kind to Oklahoma over the last couple of seasons. Sooners with the longest road winning streak currently in the country. Oklahoma has won 16 straight road games, and they're headed to Ames, Iowa. So an opportunity to right a wrong from last year after Oklahoma lost at home. The Sooners have won 23 straight games in Ames. They haven't lost there since 1960. So coming up on the show today, we'll hear from the play-by-play voice of the Iowa State Cyclones as Toby Rowland sits down with John Walters. Plus, it's Kind of like the T-Row edition of the tailgate. Toby and ABC's Greg McElroy sit down to preview the game. But first, we start with the guys in the shoulder pads. Let's talk to some of the Sooner standouts as we look back quickly on the win over UCLA. And we get you ready for Iowa State. At the coaches' luncheon on Monday, I caught up with Ben Powers, who felt pretty good about the overall team performance on Saturday in the win over UCLA. I feel like we played good. Um, definitely not to our full potential. Um, seeing what we could get a lot better, and that's where we're going to go from there. You know, from that O line, then you're a leader, you're captain now. From a team perspective, when you look back, I don't know how much tape you've got to look at yet, but how did you feel overall about the team performance? team I think the team looked great I really do I was happy with them and same thing with the offensive line is we have so many good guys on the team 
is our, our potential is kind of limitless, you know, so it's exciting to see where we're going to end up. Limitless, in my opinion, potential on that old line with you guys. And being on the sidelines, you get a great perspective watching Coach B and Bo Coach. He challenges you guys. You learn a lot. He challenges you to know every position. Can you take us through what it's like to be in that room and play for Bill B and Bo? It's intense. It's intense. Um, and it's tough sometimes. But at the end of the day, it's what's best for the team and what's best for the unit. We all have the same goal of we want to be the best, and we're willing to do what it takes to get there. You and Drew, the anchors inside, seen Bobby and Cody develop outside, but we've seen both Jonathan and Creed at the center position. Let's talk about Creed. How did he do in his first start? Creed did good, uh, especially for his uh, his first start, you know, being a, a freshman. It's tough, and I think he handled it well. I got to know, man, what's it like for you being a captain to not only be a leader, but you walk out on the field first, you're out there for the coin toss, they count on you for leadership. What that? What's that role been like for you? Man, it's something really special. It's something. It's something that I didn't even think of as a possibility when I was a kid. Um, so to be named captain, it, it was really, really special. You know, that's a very special role, and um, it's an important role. Hey, before I let you go, let's just talk overall about the team getting ready for Ames this weekend against Iowa State. How do you feel about where this team is at 2-0 right now and the way the squad's been playing as a whole? I feel like we uh, are playing well, and like I said earlier, we have a lot of improvement to do, and uh, we're going to get there. And then hitting the road, you know, this home environment, these crowds have been great to start the season, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. Can you kind of take us through what that energy has been like for you guys and how you feed off the crowd? The fans have been great. They've been really loud, and that's definitely been an advantage and something that we need to keep keep uh, working for. All right, sticking on the offensive side of the football, it was a big week for Kyler Murray. He was named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. He was named the Walter Camp Player of the Week. He was named the Davey O'Brien National Player of the Week. All in all, pretty good week for QB1. We talked to Kyler just about how he feels about where this team is after the win over the Bruins. Uh, I, I felt it was all right. Um, obviously, could be better. You know, excited about the opportunity next week to be better and get better uh, this week through practice. Um, but I felt it was good enough. But like I said earlier in the or after the game, you know, good enough will get you beat later on. So uh, I just got to be better. You say it yourself, you're a perfectionist. Yeah. So what does that look like for you after a game? Is it film study? Is it back in the weight room? What do you do to try to perfect that craft? Uh, both. I mean, we had a hard workout this morning. Um, uh, getting back in the you know film room, watching what you know, making corrections, uh, and then just getting back to work this week of practicing. You know, watching Iowa State and getting better. You know, you mentioned a hard workout. What's Benny Wiley meant to you? He brings a great enthusiasm, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he's uh, love having him around. Uh, get to joke with him a lot, um, but also you know he gets us better. You know, he he knows what to do, uh, when to do it. Uh, I feel good body wise, so I, th I think he's doing a good job. You and I talked about it in the post game, and it's kind of hard to really talk about it to a level where we can go too in depth but I really see you step up as a leader on the sidelines you talked to Robinson after he kind of had a tough catch and he went back the next series and made a big catch yeah. in traffic what does that look like to you so far how's that adjustment been because it's never as if you haven't been a leader you just do it a little bit different yeah I mean just you know like coach Riley's told y'all you know many times just uh Doing it my own way. Obviously, you know, we've had Bake here for the past three or four years. Uh, you know, he's kind of a rah-rah guy. Um, me and him are a little different. So, uh, I mean, I'm not too worried about it. You know, I think the guys, you know, they know what they have in me. Um, you know, I just try to, you know, give leadership when it's, you know, when it's needed. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a big deal. How different is the Kyler Murray we see starting this year as opposed to the Kyler Murray when he started during his freshman season? How different does it feel to you? And how hard is that of a question to answer? Uh, I mean, I, I believe, you know, like I said, I'm a very confident guy. I think I've always had the ability just, you know, freshman year. It's a little, uh, little new to me. Like I said, I've had a success on the, a lot of success on the high school level. You know, getting to the college level was just 
game moving a little faster, uh, not knowing what I'm looking for, you know, things like that, uh, and just learning the nuances of the game. You know, now being you know kind of a veteran of the game in this college level, uh, seeing things, you know, knowing what I'm seeing before the play happens, uh, and just being more comfortable. I think that helped a lot. What does it mean to you to see Austin Kendall, even with the knee injury, over there on the sidelines, helping every way he possibly can, like he did on Saturday? I think you know that's what we expect. Uh, you know, he's the leader of this team. Um, you know. And that's just what we expect of him. I mean, just because you get hurt doesn't mean, you know, the team doesn't need you. You know, we still need him to be the guy that he is. Uh, and I think, you know, he's, done, he's doing a great job. Speaking of that, you guys still need Rodney, right? You need him around as a, as a leader. I know it's, it, it stings to lose him, but he'll still be there, right? Yeah, it definitely hurts to lose him. You know, it, the great player Rodney is and the great guy he is, you never want to see a guy like that go down. Um, for him to go down, I mean, it's tough. But, uh, you know, we got to push forward. You know, I know he'll be there every step of the way. Final thought, who's winning in rock, paper, scissors right now? You or Marquise? It's, uh, it's looking, it's one-to-one -one right now. I mean, overall, I've definitely been beating him uh, in the locker room and stuff like that. But, yeah, on the field, it's one-to-one. -one. Hey, where did that birth, where did the genesis of that come from? Um, the laundry lockers, you know, or during during fall camp, you know, everybody's tired of going, you know, the the lock, the, the dirty laundry or basket or whatever is kind of far from the locker room. So, uh Guys didn't want to walk in and out and stuff like that, so we just had one guy take him. If you lose in the rock, paper, scissors, you got to take him for the day. So I like the rock, paper, scissors. So it's something that we'll have to keep tabs on. 1-1 one, one right now, and we'll also keep, eye, keep an eye on when they actually do the celebration. From the offensive side of the football to the defensive side of the football, Amani Bledsoe has had a fantastic start to the season. That defensive line is playing great. We got his perspective on the win over UCLA. Amani, what's kind of keyed your turnaround this year? How, how do you feel about the way you're playing and what's really clicked for you this year? I say just uh, technical developments and practice. I mean, how you practice is ultimately how you're going to play and just having a um, stronger approach to practice. Um, just the little things, the details, hand placement and extension, and trusting the coaches and what um, they're telling us to do. Seems like that's pretty much been across the board on defense, too. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, I'd say that's pretty fair. Um, a lot of guys are trusting trusting it more because, um, I mean, one person gets out of um, their job, it kind of messes the whole defense up. we got to all be on the same page, and we've all been on the same page these first couple of weeks. You mentioned the physical side of that, but for you personally, how much of that has been film work and truly understanding what the opposing offenses are trying to do against you? Oh, a lot. I mean, a lot of it's film study, getting in there with the coaches, getting extra, um, watching the film to get ahead and see what kind of formations, tendencies these guys have um, and will run on us. You mentioned coaches a lot. We see you on the sideline working with Coach Thibodeau, uh, Calvin Thibodeau. How, how has he helped you? What has he meant to you as your position coach? Uh, he's helped develop us a lot as a D-line, um, giving us new things to work, um, help our strengths and weaknesses, um, develop us uh, week by week. And he's a fiery dude. I mean, you got, <laughs> he gets emotional on the sidelines. Yeah. But in, from an in-game perspective, is that an area where you feel like you guys have really improved with your in-game adjustments that you all are making? Yeah, um, the communication is definitely key. Um, getting the call and seeing what the coaches are wanting us to do and applying that to the field and seeing what the offense says. Interesting because I've been trying to verbalize that to people that'll listen. This off, this defense, you guys are really communicating well. This whole team is communicating well. Money seems like you guys are having a lot of fun right now. I know winning helps that, but did these relationships bond over the off season? I would definitely say so. I mean, football football is fun. It's supposed to be fun. And um, definitely going out there and executing as a defense definitely fun. Guys be on the same page. Um, it's a lot of energy the past couple of weeks. What's it meant for you? You went to Big 12 media days to be counted on as a leader, maybe even more so as a vocal leader. How have you accepted that role? What has that role meant to you? Uh, it definitely means a lot, uh, uh, showing that the coaches and players trust me uh, in that spot. Um, as a guy who hasn't 
been as vocal in the past. Definitely something I've worked on the, um, since spring ball to like try to work in and fall camp to apply it this season. So. I know you're a team guy, so let's talk real quick about the rest of the defensive line. How do you feel overall about your line mates and the way things have come together? Kenneth Manns looked good in that interior. Neville Gallimore is making a highlight type of move every single game, isn't he? Yes, um, definitely excited when you're playing next to guys like that. Um, you know they're going to make a huge play um, here and there. Uh, so definitely, definitely excited to have those guys next to me. And then finally, for you individually, what has this meant to really have things start well? I know it's a long season, but it's got to be rewarding for you personally, isn't it? Um, definitely, um, just being able to start a full season and help contribute to this team. Um, it's been a fun start so far. So Ben Powers, Kyler Murray, Amani Bledsoe, great stuff in looking back and now looking ahead. It's Oklahoma, Iowa State this Saturday. We'll be on the air on the Sooner Radio Network at 9 a.m. Find an affiliate in your area at Soonersports.com slash radio. Toby Rowland had a chance, the voice of the Sooners. To catch up with ABC game analyst for Saturday, Greg McElroy. Toby sat down with the ABC analyst to get his perspective on game day. What do you think of this matchup Saturday? Well, I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I'm, when we first got the assignment, first indicator is, man, Oklahoma is just, they're on such another level. They're so high powered. Um, and then as you dive a little deeper, you just become so impressed with Iowa State as well. And they, they do a good job. Now, they don't have the firepower that Oklahoma has. They didn't last year either, but they're just so well coached. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Oklahoma up close and personal because I've been admiring them for a couple years now. And this offense is a little bit different than what it was last year, um, but it still has very capable personnel in a lot of ways. So uh, I'm excited to see him up close. I was really excited to see him last year. Unfortunately, we got to see him against Kansas, and that's not the best example of being able to see what this team's capable of. So I, I am looking forward to to watching them, seeing Mark Quise Brown and C.D. Lamb, who are as dynamic a one-two punch at wide receiver as you can possibly find. I was really looking forward to seeing Rodney Anderson really bummed that he's not going to be available um, for the remainder of the season just thinking about him and, and all the adversity that he's had to overcome throughout the course of his career and seeing this defense because in the first couple weeks if that's any indicator uh, they've shored up in a lot of ways the secondary's been really good and so have the linebackers so I'm very anxious to watch this Oklahoma team and, and to see whether or not revenge is a factor based on what happened last year against Iowa State. Well, hopefully the captains will shake hands and we can get you out of here Saturday with a little less controversy this time around. It was so much controversy. And I feel like Oklahoma fans really hate me for that. And it's, I believe I've heard from them on Twitter all day. I mean, like I don't, I, the reaction that, that we all had when, when that happened with Baker, I mean, I'm the biggest Baker fan in the world. I voted for him to win the Heisman twice. I voted for him to win the Heisman in 2015 and then in 2017. So I love Baker and uh, wish him nothing but the best at, at Cleveland. It was just an unfortunate game that, that was one-sided and there was not a whole lot to talk about other than the antics that happened on the sidelines. So um, this game will be about the ball game itself, or at least that's the intention, and uh, hopefully it'll be really competitive. Let's start there, Greg. Baker's gone. Kyler Murray through two games. What's your impressions of number one? Well, he's been really good, and he's done what you expect him to do. He's very athletic. Uh, he's extremely difficult to tackle in space. His sudden agility and his ability to uh, to move and change directions is 
It's rare. I, I'm trying to think as I was preparing and watching him yesterday, and a good example was against UCLA on his first touchdown run. It was a little zone read, and he pulled it and went around the left edge, and a linebacker's right there. I mean, why should be a tackle? No problem, right? I mean, linebacker's standing seven or eight yards away from Kyler as Kyler turns up field. The linebacker didn't even touch Kyler's jersey. Like we're talking about a Division One scholarship linebacker didn't even make contact with Kyler in about a five-yard window wide. I mean, it was it was pretty remarkable. So his quickness is off the charts. He's not the thrower that Baker was, um, nor can you expect him to be. But he, he's extremely good in the open field as a runner, and and that's his strength. That's where that's where he's going to have to be himself, and not not try to adjust into what Baker's been or what the great throwing quarterbacks have been at Oklahoma over the years. But he's been effective getting it to CeeDee Lamb and Marquise Brown, and I'm very, very intrigued by his ability to throw it downfield. That was an area that I wasn't as sold on him and going back and watching him at Texas A&M. He struggled. The ball floated when he tried to fire it downfield, and and through the first two weeks, he's been pretty good on some of those downfield throws. So uh, that's an area where he's clear addressed it and and has gotten better in that regard so that needs to continue because it's an aggressive offense that wants to fire it downfield and if you allow these receivers to get over the top of you it's game over so that's been it's been a joy to watch and he's probably going to progress and get better in the passing game as the season goes along I'd love to know your perspective on this I think the opinion of Oklahoma by their own fans and and the national media the last few years has been that offensively they can go toe-to-toe with anyone but defensively, when it comes to uh, facing the Alabamas and Clemsons and Georgias of the world, uh, they lag behind. There is hope among Sooner fans, having seen them through two games this year, that maybe they have closed the gap there. Do you, watching them on film so far this year, feel like they've made strides? Uh, th- I'm cautiously optimistic is how I would say it. I one thing that has been absolutely outstanding and you knew that that Kenneth Murray was probably going to take a step he's he's been he's been good i wouldn't say he's been great he's been good but Curtis Bolton being out there has been a breath of fresh air to watch. I mean, he is, albeit sometimes maybe slightly out of control, he's just disruptive. He's a little undersized, but, I mean, he just flies around. And he's been fun to watch. I mean, he if, if I were to classify anything, it's just, man, what a joy it's been to watch a healthy Curtis Bolton out there uh, running around and making plays. I mean, when I first put on the tape, I'm like, man, it's 18. Who is this guy? <laughs> just double-checking my notes and stuff from years past. And he's been a real joy. And another thing, too, that I've been impressed by has been the secondary, which should come as no surprise. That's probably going to be the strength of the team uh, on the defensive side of the football, and it needs to be because of the league that Oklahoma plays in. You play against good quarterbacks. You have good wide receivers. You better be good in the secondary. And so far through two games, now FAU is not a great example, but UCLA has decent wide receivers. There was very little separation allowed by Oklahoma secondary. Uh, they don't play a ton of man-to-man, mostly at zone, um, but I was pretty impressed by – 
how tight the windows had to be if Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback at UCLA, was going to get a completion. He had to make a heck of a throw. And that's really encouraging. Now, along the defensive line is where Oklahoma hasn't been as good as some of those top caliber programs, the Ohio States of the world, uh, even though they beat Ohio State last year, which was awesome. But Clemson's, the Alabama's, that's where there's been a noticeable difference is along the defensive line. And that group is probably still not on par with a Clemson or an Ohio State right now. But I was impressed by Neville Gallimore, who is pretty athletic and and has progressed nicely. Uh, Mark Jackson has been a pretty productive pass rusher off the edge. And he's going to drop some, too, into coverage. But I kind of like what he's been. Uh, I'm very interested to see what happens with Ronnie Perkins as he continues to probably get more reps as the season goes along. So there's a few things that, that I've kind of enjoyed watching these first couple weeks along the defensive line and and for the league that they're set up to play in they they're going to match up really well defensively against a lot of these teams that they'll play with the spread and the hurry up and the tempo two questions and we'll get you out of here the loss of Rodney Anderson devastating or overcomable significant um not crippling because the offensive line is really what makes the running game go right and Kyler Murray's presence as a runner as well is only going to make some of their counter read systems and their inside zone schemes work a little better so the fact that Kyler Murray is a big run threat makes it overcomable but Rodney Anderson and I know Oklahoma fans might disagree with this um, Rodney Anderson was significantly better in my eyes than Trey Sermon Now, I I looked at Trey Sermon these first two weeks, and he didn't look as explosive as I remember last year. Now, I know he got hurt in the spring game, and I know he has a clean bill of health, but he didn't look like the same guy. Uh, I thought Sutton, number 21, had some nice carries last week against UCLA, and and he might be kind of an intriguing piece to keep an eye on. I know they like the freshman uh, as well, based on everything that I've heard, and his name is Pledger, if I'm not mistaken. So I know they feel pretty good about him as well. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Pledger get a little bit more run here in the weeks to come and Sutton get a little bit more uh, because they both looked a little bit more sudden in the first two weeks than Sermon did. I hope Sermon's at 100%, but there's a pretty significant drop-off from Rodney Anderson, who by anyone's account is a top five, top three back in all of college football. From him to the other three is, is a pretty wide gap. Uh, on what I've evaluated so far. Overcomable for sure, but but definitely disappointing, especially knowing Rodney's history. Just just so disappointed that, that he's not going to be able to be out there. A quarterback question for you now. As a quarterback, Iowa State did as good of a job as any team in the regular season last year of flummoxing Baker Mayfield. For the most part, they would drop eight into coverage, umbrella defense, and force OU to hunt and peck their way down the field. I'm assuming we'll see a lot of that again on Saturday. From a quarterback perspective, how do you attack that? How should Oklahoma attack that Iowa State defense on Saturday? You just have to be patient 
If there's one thing that you admire about Baker, man, it was about the home run, wasn't it? I mean, it was. I mean, Baker was not content with a four-yard completion. A four-yard play was not a positive play in Baker's eyes. A ten-yard play, yes, uh, but a four-yard play, five-yard play, six-yard play, man, that's almost like the defense won that snap, right? I mean, that's kind of that's kind of one thing that you appreciated about him because he relied so heavily on the big play. What they need to do is they need to try to run the football. That's where it needs to start. Uh, If you look at Iowa State defensively, their defensive tackles are heavy. One guy in particular, Ray Lima, number 76, is uh, a handful against the run. So that's going to be a matchup to watch. The left side of the offensive line, Bobby Evans and Ben Powers, uh, against Ray Lima, number 76. If they can win that matchup and get the ground game going and win on some of those counter schemes where they're pulling the guard and the tackle, which they run literally 15 times a game, uh, if they can get the running game going, then you can't drop eight. You have to put more guys in the box and commit to the run game and then you might have some opportunities in the passing game. One thing that Iowa State did a really nice job of last year as well was tackle, and they tackled well. And if you look at Oklahoma last week against UCLA, it's a fifteen yard third and 15, you throw a, a slot curl to Brown, he makes a guy miss, and he's out the gate. You just can't do that because they're so athletic, and there's such a challenge to bring down in the open field. So you have to tackle extremely well. So Oklahoma, if I'm attacking, if I'm trying to, if I'm Oklahoma and I'm trying to score against that prevent drop eight coverage, I got to get the run game going. If I can't get the run game going, I'm in for a long day and I have to break tackles in the open field. There's going to be guys rallying to the football, but man, CD lamb and Marquise Brown, they're just so hard to bring down. And if, if you don't tackle them in the open field, they're in big trouble. So, And then I would advise Kyler Murray to be very patient. Just be patient. Be okay. As long as you gain positive yards on a play, so even a plus one, plus two, take that as a win on that particular snap. You can't have incompletions, and you can't get behind the sticks against a team that's really well coached like this. But uh, Oklahoma should have a significant advantage athletically, and if they play their game and they play their A game, they should win the game comfortably. But uh, Iowa State has a has an uncanny nature of forcing you to become uncomfortable and forcing you into playing the way they want you to play. But uh, it'll be fun to watch, man. I'm excited to be up there. It's a great venue. It's Jack Trice Stadium's an underrated venue in college football, and uh, there's very few fans that are as passionate as the Sooners, so you know they'll be well represented. And we'll jump across enemy lines from the – TV guys to the radio guys, T-Row sat down with longtime Iowa State play-by-play guy John Walters to get his perspective on the Cyclones. What was your um, what was your takeaway from uh, 13-3 last Saturday? You know, I, I think Iowa State uh, looked like a team that was playing its first game, which they basically were. They had played five minutes against South Dakota State, got one offensive series, one defensive series. But I think a lot of times in that first game, you just don't look that sharp. And maybe it takes a half at least or a full game sometimes to to, to start looking a little bit better. And I'm hoping that's the case because Iowa State offensively just did not look sharp. Now, defensively, they were terrific. And um, that was that was impressive. And uh, it was a good game. I mean, it was a hard-hitting uh, rivalry game. Um, you know, a lot of people don't appreciate a low-scoring game sometimes, but – these teams were getting after it. Now there were some mistakes made, and 
Uh, they proved particularly costly for Iowa State. But I thought for the first half, uh, you know, it, it, it just – Iowa State was doing fine for about a half, but I just think they kind of wore out. And um, and Iowa was the better team and, and pulled it out. But um, it would have certainly, I think, helped Iowa State to have gotten in the complete South Dakota State game and uh, learned a little bit more about themselves before they went into an environment like that. And um, so they're 0-1, and now they, you know, jump out of the, the – frying pan and into the fire here, um, hosting Oklahoma on, on Saturday. Offensively, what was the issue, in your opinion, that, that has to get fixed for this Saturday's game? Well, the, the offensive line just was not able to open any kind of creases for David Montgomery to run. And I think for David, the remarkable thing was he had 44 yards. Um, he didn't have any plays where he was tackled behind the line of scrimmage and there were plenty of chances for Iowa to do that Um, but as he often does he broke a lot of tackles and a lot of times it was just a fight back to the line of scrimmage which isn't saying a lot but uh, if you watch that game it's amazing sometimes that he was even able to do that so the the offensive line just not provide any lanes whatsoever for for David to run or the other running backs and then uh, they didn't protect the quarterback particularly well either. Now, last year they were really good at protecting the quarterback, but they weren't a great run-blocking team last year either. Um, but at least they protected the quarterback. And I think Kyle Kemp, as the game went on, maybe held on to the ball a little bit too long and uh, started feeling that pressure from Iowa and its uh, ability with just four guys rushing to get in there and create havoc. And they didn't blitz a ton. They did some, but... Um, you know, they pressured the quarterback, they got him out of his comfort zone, and then they took away the run game. And when that happens and you can't really block and protect anything, it really limits your playbook. And I, I think Iowa State, you know, started looking conservative, but they were trying to do the stuff they thought might work. And they thought running inside would be their best bet, and it just did not develop that way. So back to the drawing board, um, you know, Matt Campbell and the staff are very good. They um, you, you know, he'll he'll figure some stuff out as the season goes on. But the question is, can he figure it out, you know, this quickly to get it turned in week two, basically, for Iowa State? And that, that'll be a big uh, challenge for this team this week because they're going to have to be better offensively in order to have any chance. Defensively, I thought uh, John Heacock had a brilliant game plan last year in Norman. It was as flummoxed. As I've seen, as as we saw Baker Mayfield all all year, and basically it looked like they dropped eight guys and doing umbrella defense, and and uh, oh, you just couldn't find anything. Um, yeah, they they did. The the sacks were coverage sacks. You're exactly right, and and um, just forced him to try to continue to look and find somebody, but there just wasn't somebody open very often. And I thought, you know, and they, and they switched that after they played Iowa last year. They they decided, you know, let's let's get out of this. Let's get into a three-man front. Let's get our best eleven guys on the field. They did it against Texas the first week, and and lost seventeen to seven. A game kind of similar to what we just saw in Iowa City the other day, where the the defense was really really good against Texas. But Jacob Park threw three interceptions, and uh, but you felt good at least coming out of that game about the defense going into Norman. But then, you know, your quarterback's gone, and, and it kind of changed the dynamic. But, yes, I, I agree, and I think John Haycock did a terrific job kind of revamping that whole defense last year, and it seems to work well against some of these Big 12 offenses that can really light up a scoreboard. So, you know, they held Big 12 opponents under 20 points a game last year. That's really rare for Iowa State to be able to do that, and it gives you a chance to win every week. I, I, it'll be interesting to see if they employ the same strategy, I assume they will. I guess my question to you is, I know we're all just guessing here, but 
Kyler's a different type of quarterback, a little more mobility. Um, now, what are you anticipating? Do you think we'll see the same thing from Iowa State? I think you'll see a lot of that. You know, they did play some four-man front against Iowa. They want to stay multiple. They don't want to just line up and do the same thing every single time. They want to keep offenses guessing a little bit. Um, so they try to mix up the way they line up defensively. But I think their most effective defense, especially against mobile quarterbacks, is a three-man front. And oftentimes they'll have um, one of the linebackers essentially be a spy on that quarterback and, and, and try to just keep an eye on him the whole time. And a really positive development, Toby, from that game at Iowa was that a true freshman, at Mike Linebacker replacing Joel Lanning, Michael Rose, probably played as well as anybody on the field that day. He was absolutely terrific in, in his first college game. And uh, here's a kid that was had one offer from Ball State you know, before Iowa State offered him. And uh, he goes out and starts his very first game as a true freshman and, and does that kind of thing. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's that guy that's just – assigned to just keeping an eye on Murray at all times. We'll see how uh, John Haycock and the staff uh, approach it. But I, I think that's kind of what you have to do with a, a quarterback like that that can certainly you know, cause problems in the pocket, probably can cause even more problems once he escapes the pocket and starts improvising. And I think what would have really, really helped Iowa State and, and maybe helped Oklahoma too in terms of watching a film would have been if Iowa State was able to play that full game against South Dakota State because they have an excellent quarterback who's mobile, who can throw on the run and can, uh, 21 rushing touchdowns and Taron Christian. Uh, it would have been good to have a full game against a quarterback similar. Now, last year, Nate Stanley, he's more just a drop-back, um, you know, pro-style quarterback and a completely different thing than what they're going to see this week. But Murray's ability to throw that football is probably what's underrated. He is very quick and elusive but he also has a terrific arm and and uh some accuracy involved here too so uh it's going to be a huge challenge for iowa state this week but i feel good about their defense you know and i think their defense is in a good spot and hopefully they can go in and play well again this week a couple more minutes with john walters play-by-play voice of the iowa state cyclones we're, we're kind of done guessing uh who the quarterback's going to be when it comes to iowa state after what happened last year so um <laughs> Uh, how do you compare and contrast those two guys, Kempt and Nolan? Where are they different? Well, Nolan has a stronger arm, and and he's he's actually a better thrower deep down the field. Uh, Kempt is much more of an underneath guy and a guy that really relies on just making the right decision. And Kempt will not wow you with his physical ability, but he will wow you with his ability to consistently make make smart decisions. And um, that's where he excels. Um, Zeb has the ability to really zing it and throw it down the field deep. And so uh, we didn't see Iowa State throw it deep much in week one. And, and I think they need to throw it down the field to stretch the defense out if they're going to get that running game going. So that's got to be a big part of it. The uh, loss last week won't take any of the zing out of the crowd this week, right? It's still going to be a fun atmosphere Saturday morning. I would assume so, yeah. I, talking to Jamie Pollard last night, he thought they're right around 57,000, the capacity is 61.5. Uh, he thinks we'll get pretty close to that. So it'll, it'll look and feel like a sellout. If it isn't, it'll be awfully close to that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good environment for college football now. You know, a few years ago, they pulled in that south end zone, and there's huge video boards on each end of the stadium. Uh, it's really a great atmosphere for college football. And I, the thing I like about it most is the true grass field. Um, you know, I, I, there aren't many of those around in the Midwest anymore, but it's really a nice grass field that's always in great shape. So 
um, yeah, I think it'll be a, a tremendous environment. Um, you know, a little bit of the luster's lost by losing to Iowa uh, in, in some ways, but um, I think people tend to overreact to week one no matter what happens. Um, it's a long season and a lot can change. So, uh, and, and I think people are still very excited about what this program did a year ago with Matt and going 8-5 and five and winning the Liberty Bowl and the wins over Oklahoma and TCU. Uh, there's still a, a ton of excitement about Iowa State football right now. So hopefully uh, not too much of that has, uh, has lost its shine. And the, the most important thing, I understand, a new visiting radio booth this year. That is right? correct. Yeah, yeah you, we moved you down to the second floor. They, uh, we used to have a small visiting radio booth, and then they made it smaller to make more room for the, the police department to watch the crowd and keep an eye on things. So they, they demanded more space. and our revisiting radio booth turned into a phone booth. And so thankfully we've moved you down to the, the second level uh, partitioned off an area over there where you'll, I think be very comfortable and able to spread out and enjoy calling the game. Beautiful. So yeah, Beautiful. looking forward to having you here. And we wrap up every single Sooner sports podcast on a Friday with our buddy, Jacob Potter, who is the executive producer for Sooner Game Day, which you can watch on Fox Sports Oklahoma. You can find it at Soonersports.tv. And Potter gives us some perspective on what to expect this Saturday morning. Lots to get into this Saturday on Sooner Game Day with Gabe, Teddy, and Chad. Certainly we're going to be discussing the loss of Rodney, but a storyline that's flying under the radar is Kyler Murray's first start on the road. He started three games at Texas A&M, and all of them were at home. In fact, he didn't play a single game on the road at Texas A&M. So his first action on enemy ground didn't come until Columbus last year. Now, his performance so far this year has been stellar, but just how high is his ceiling? That's one of the things we're going to be getting into. And for Iowa State, a stat to know there is that running back David Montgomery has only fumbled once in the past two years. That span accounts for 314 touches. So we'll see if Oklahoma can get to force the ball onto the turf. Plus, we're talking Mark Jackson Jr., Kenneth Murray, CeeDee Lamb, and so much more. Tune in Saturday, 10 a.m., Fox Sports, Oklahoma. So a lot of ways to be all in on the broadcast this weekend. You can join us on the radio, 9 a.m. with the pregame, 11 a.m. with the kick for Oklahoma and Iowa State. If you need to find an affiliate, go to Soonersports.com radio, or you can just download the TuneIn radio app and find us anywhere across the country for absolutely free. Thanks to all the players for joining us. Thanks to John Walters, Greg McElroy, Toby Rowland, who did all the heavy lifting on the tailgate this week. And until the post-game show Saturday night after Oklahoma and Iowa State, this is Chris Plank saying, enjoy game day. Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.